Welcome to season two of the Big Red Roundtable, the monthly show that features two fan podcasts discussing and debating all things Husker football during the offseason. For the first time since August, Scott and I are joined in studio by Justin, Derek, and Tyler from the Husker Cuscast, and we will be revealing the results later tonight of the over-under game that we played back in August. Trust me, it will be underwhelming. Uh, before we get to those results, though, a lot has happened since the last time all five of us were on the stream together, most notably the firing of Scott Frost, the recent hiring of Matt Rule, whose choices so far as his assistant coaching staff have a few folks, including a few on this stream, a little up in arms. <laughs> I believe we can all agree that we're really tired of watching head coaches come and go, along with uh, staffs full of assistants that we thought would work out but didn't, so I get the trepidation. Trust me, I've got doubts myself. So the question that we will attempt to answer tonight is, do these coaches, these choice of coaches by Coach Rule, signify a fresh new start with serious potential for future greatness, or will it just be meh, as usual, right? So that is the backdrop. So let's start off by talking about the coaches. Um, shall I just go ahead and throw the slideshow up there guys and we just go through them one by one or do you have some overall thoughts you wanted to start out with let's do it go ahead all right so let's make sure i get the right freaking slideshow there it is that's the right slideshow hey look nothing's covered up by our cameras that's pretty awesome um there we go head coach man matt rule seven total years as a head coach just over 500 record baylor he was 19 and 20 and three seasons 28 and 23 at temple uh, four bowl games, three wins, one loss, won 10 games or more three times, but also won less than seven games three times. So he's kind of one of those guys that has those mediocre or mediocre, meteoric rises and then takes off to the next job. And then, of course, we knew what happened at Carolina, which wasn't great. Uh, but there you go. Finished two seasons ranked in the top 25, including one in the top 15. I know you guys talked about rule on kind of, I believe it was your last show where you kind of rated the hire and took a look at some of the assistants he had hired up to that point. And I thought the consensus at that point on in that show was that the two of the three of you were pretty cool with the Matt rule hire, right? I guess I think uh, me and Derek were a lot higher on him than what Tyler was, but I, I mean, I think he is one of the best hires. I mean, if you look at this last cycle of coaches hired, I mean, I put him right near the top of the list of best guys that could have been hired. So um, I think if you look at the history of Nebraska, I mean, we have not made a lot of splash hires. This is a splash hire. So, yes, there are certain things I don't love about him. I lived in Charlotte for a while, but that that is part of it. Just bluntly, if you were a fan of the NFL team and you grabbed their worst coach ever, then you probably would have a little bit of a – backlog but i know college is different and i could put i can do that so i don't know but yeah yeah that's fair justin i'm probably the coolest on this hire <laughs> still like it still like it you're on mute ken my bad i'm still getting used to this new board uh i'm kind of the same way i, I wouldn't say i'm cool on the hire i was pretty i was a little warmer on it when he was first hired than i am now because i do agree with you guys in a lot of ways about the coaches it seems to be on the surface a lackluster set of guys that he's brought in but they're his guys and i guess at some point we've got to trust that he knows what he's doing as far as the process is concerned derek 
did you want to say anything specific about rule or, or you, Scott, or do we just want to go ahead and move on to the fun part, the assistance? <laughs> well, I could always, uh, I'm not going to go off or go on a tirade about rule because we'd already kind of had at least a brief discussion about it in our last episode. Um, but I will definitely make sure to tie him in to these assistant coaches that we're going to discuss because I think they all kind of have a little bit of a trend. So that's all I'll say. Yep. They definitely do. Uh, you are correct about that. So let's move to coach number one, which will, we'll start with all the offensive guys and then we'll move on to the defensive. So that way we can get the, the fun discussion of one particular coach out of the way fairly early. <laughs> uh, so First off, we've got, whoops, I hit the wrong slideshow. There we go. Marcus Satterf Satterfield. Boy, I'm still going to have a hard time with that name. Uh, Temple, as a rule assistant, he was there co coaching offensive coordinator and QBs 2013-2014 and then offensive coordinator running backs 2015. Baylor, tight end coach from 2018 through 2019 and a Carolina assistant offensive line coach in 2020. And then he spent a couple years at Tennessee Chattanooga as a head coach. Um, last job, of course, was South Carolina. As you told me, Justin, on a phone call when we talked a little bit earlier this this last week, that uh, a lot of the folks in South Carolina are pretty happy to see Marcus go. What is it that you're, you've heard specific from those fans as to why? Is there a particular part of his offense that people don't like? Is there a reason they're just glad he's gone, even though they did do as well as they did those last two games? So we have, uh, you know, me and the cousins, we have lots of cousins, actually. So, I mean, if we were to do a podcast with all of our cousins, there'd be like, I don't know, 40 or, 40 or more. But uh, we have two cousins that graduated from South Carolina, and uh, they're big cocks. Big freaking cocks, right? And uh, <laughs> huge. Anyway, uh, they <laughs> are not... I don't know. I, I don't think that they uh, thought this... Uh, they weren't excited that he was because they're also Nebraska fans also, but uh, they weren't excited about him going to Nebraska and they were kind of happy. One of them was kind of happy that he was there. One of them was a little bit curious to see what he could do uh, next year based off of the, his final two games at South Carolina. But that whole stretch when he was at South Carolina did not give them any reason to be happy about uh him remaining there in South Carolina. Tyler, you, you talked to Ryan and Sean quite a bit. Is that the impression you get to? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I would say that they were, they were definitely not crushed that we took him. Um, and, you know, they, from a Gamecock perspective, and they, they definitely weren't doing backflips that we got him. I, I think they were very much like a lukewarm position. And, and I, I was trying to think of a good like equivalent uh, for Nebraska. And, and honestly, I can't think of anyone on the current staff that would probably have like fallen in that bucket. Like, you know, may, maybe Mark Whipple a little bit, but I think by the time Whipple left, people were, were pretty happy that he wasn't being brought back. I it just, so I can't really find a parallel, but I think they were just kind of lukewarm on him leaving and lukewarm on him coming to Nebraska. And yeah, I mean, we, we definitely did not steal South Carolina's soul with this hire. Like, <laughs> exactly. That, yeah. It wasn't a steal. And here's why. Ken, you want to talk about the last two games. Man, even with those last two games, their, their total offense only ranked yeah. 75th in the country. Yeah, it wasn't much better than ours, right? And, and if you take those two games away, they were 96th. Yeah. 
for 79. Yeah. So yep, they're they 45th in scoring offense. So middle of the road, you take those two games away, they drop down to 65th. Like those two games really improved what that offense really looked like throughout the year. I got you. Scott, you got any thoughts? I mean, I know we kind of talked about him before, but. Yeah, I mean, it is very underwhelming. Uh, it's a very underwhelming hire. I mean, yeah, he's 75th. He's 75th in the in the country, and then, uh, what is it, ninth in the SEC. And from the previous year, previous year, he was 110th as an offensive coordinator and almost dead last just right behind Vanderbilt. And so technically there was an improvement, but I mean, he had some pretty good talent to work with at South Carolina. And the fact that he wasn't able to put together a consistent game plan, game in, game out, it just, I don't know if it was, he couldn't get his guys to just stay locked in. Cause I mean, yeah, the last two games were impressive, but I mean, you got to show that game in game out. I think that those were just individual performances more than it was 500 IQ offensive uh, coordinating. So definitely an underwhelming hire. Um, but can I just throw in there? I, I, I understand maybe not a wow, but like, but when you are taking a standing coordinator from an SEC school, like this isn't a guy who just got fired. He, he would have been brought back. I mean, all the signs pointed. I just, I, I just think that the, the bar is, I don't know. It was it's it's not a bad get. I mean, to take a standing guy, and again, he was part of what he was part of uh, Baylor, which is what you can't say about everyone on the staff. And he was part of Temple, so he has been a ride or die with Rule. So I don't well, know. Let's I, let's hope he doesn't bring that rushing offense with him because <laughs> got, got some bad news for you. Guess who he tied with in uh, rushing offense this year? Nebraska. Uh, Nebraska. <laughs> Dead even for 99th yeah. in the country. You know, like uh, Marcus Satterfield, I think you uh, summed it up pretty well there, Scott. You know, it is underwhelming for what uh, we thought we were going to get. The only thing that could make this really bad for me and leave a sour taste is if he were to bring Spencer Rattler with him from South Carolina to Nebraska. (laughs) I would absolutely despise that move. uh, The the only thing that would make it better is if he showed up and his teammates – like strapped him to a chair and like dyed his eyebrows like brown or something like that. Um, you know what? I'm actually here. To bring him with bring Brattler. I'm all for if are you for Rattler for real? I think I think he's a good quarterback. I just think he's toxic for the locker room. Yeah. I don't think he's a leader. That that would be the only like yeah, he's a baller. Like dude, Tyler's an he's army clearly of one talented. right there with uh being on the Spencer Rattler bandwagon there. That's that's crazy. Well, have we? Well, I mean, uh, Spencer Rattler's the only reason Marcus Satterfield <laughs> offense looked any but good this year. Oh yeah, because that's a I common. Mean, that's that. like the common denominator between last year and this year was he got well, a good quarterback. Who, who, who would you rather have, Casey Thompson working in Satterfield's offense or bringing Rattler to to Nebraska? Casey uh, Thompson, thing what you have at wide receiver, really. I don't know. The offensive line didn't apparently like Casey Thompson too well either. No, they didn't. They certainly didn't. Apparently, they didn't like the steak he took him out for when he first got to town. <laughs> probably what, ordered did you take him to Applebee's? Well 
No, he ordered, he ordered them all well done, which is what inspired them to start jerky. Because they were like, if we're going to get well done steaks, we're at least going to make a jerky company out of this. Oh, Lord, that's funny. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, I don't remember what the name of the place was he took them to, but it was a steak buffet of some sort. And it was they, Applebee's. They did all they could to... I'm just uh, kidding. To, Golden uh, Corral. The run them out. One. Yeah, Golden Hey, that would... Hey, I've had took Golden there and, Corral, and it was not kind to me. So if he took them there, that would have been bad. I love anyway, uh, <laughs> the, the next hire we'll talk about uh, is running backs coach EJ Barthel. This is, to me, this is a guy that's kind of in my my top as far as a guy that I see as potential um, simply because I know everybody wants to take a look at UConn and say, well, look at the competition they had to play and all that stuff. How did he, but anytime you take any kind of an offense or any kind of a rushing game from bottom of their conference or bottom of the independents and take it up into the top two or three teams amongst the independents, I think you're doing something pretty good. So if you look, I just looked up just a few, a few um, stats. UConn's 2021 rushing yardage was 1,195 yards, 3.16 yards per carry, 18 touchdowns, 99.6 yards per game. Sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? Uh, and then in 2022, when he got there, it was 2,339 yards, 4.8 per carry, 18 TDs yet again, but doubled up on the yards per game to 194.92. So. Uh, ranked seven, second out of seventh in, seven independents and ended up with the 32nd ranked rushing offense in the NCAA. So for me, this is kind of with that, that guy that I'm kind of eyeballing to see where this rushing offense goes with him and how well one of the other guys on that was retained on this offensive staff, uh, how they work together to get that running game hopefully off the ground or on the ground, I guess, if you will. <laughs> but um uh, just whoever wants to start, who's got some thoughts on EJ Barthel, uh, throw them out there. I'll, I'll say this: when, when, I, when we first hired this guy, I was I was very underwhelmed. I was like, "Who the hell is this guy?" I looked numbers; I wasn't overly impressed. But but I will say this: I'm hearing a lot of good stories out of my recruiting trail already. He's growing on me pretty fast. Well, what what also is interesting is, uh, you know, you saw the tweets. Jim Morris sent out a glowing recommendation for him uh, in a tweet. You know, I mean, so that that was pretty cool. Uh, I, I don't know how how uh, often a head coach or how common it is for a head coach to speak that glowingly of a coach that's leaving the program. It just seemed like. Uh, I don't see it very often. And when Jim Mora did that for EJ Barthel, I just thought that was like, wow, okay, maybe there is something here. So, uh, yeah, he, I think I think he's got definitely potential. I don't I don't hate the hire at all. I think he's got. I think he's like. I think everybody would agree he's got potential. He's got potential, but he doesn't really have necessarily a, an eye popping resume, other than just the fact that the fact that he was able to do what he did at UConn in one year is like, okay, I see you. I see what you're doing. Um, but if I were to just compare him to, let's just say Brian Applewhite and just what kind of track record he's got, he doesn't have one. And so it's, 
basically a gamble. It's a roll of the dice. Maybe he's got a really good philosophy. I mean, I'd assume that's what he's got. I assume he's got a really good philosophy. He connects with the players. And like you said, heard some good things on Reddit and seen a few things on Twitter about his recruiting ability. And we'll see how it all plays out. But once again, it just kind of follows the trend of just being like, eh, I kind of have to, I have to try to find something. Like I have to try hard to find something to like about him. And it just makes me kind of go, meh. So if you want to find something to like about him, I mean, he, he was at UConn, right? UConn has been a bottom dweller for a long, long, long time. And UConn had a really good year this year. I'm not saying it's all because of EJ Barthel there, but Jim Mora, he did outstanding things with them. And I think EJ Barthel with it, with, the hand that he was dealt there with all the injuries, he excelled. He completely excelled in that running backs room. So you could actually see something in just that one year at UConn that he made huge progress in a doormat of a program. So he coached those dudes up. So I, I will give that to him. If you I, I got that UConn. I mean, you can go, you can go places, especially with good talent. Well, I got a question for you guys, and I, I don't have an answer for it. So, uh, did UConn switch offensive line coaches too? Or is this an offensive line coach that's been around for a while? I mean, I, oh, I, I guess where I'm getting at is, does, does the offensive line get some credit for what his running backs were doing? Or is it all on this coach that made him start running better? It was all EJ. EJ did it all. all. Uh, I think he helped run the ball. I think he went in there a couple snaps. Uh, <laughs> went, in, went in and blocked for his running backs. Yeah, I, I, dude, I'll tell you, what, what, what you're getting – I mean – you want to talk about he's he, he's a definitely a vibrant uh active coach um who I think is gonna bring a lot of great energy to this position um I, I Scott I, I think your point on Applewhite is an interesting one um I, I I think you could say that about a couple coaches we brought in where it's just you know we were a four and eight team last year and when you're like man the guy they're replacing I think's a better coach. It, that seems kind of a weird tactic to take um, to to do that. And, and, and because of EJ's resume, that does kind of seem to be the point here. Yeah, that would be, that would basically be the point that I, I don't necessarily blame Brian Applewhite for the lackluster productivity we had in the running backs room. I mean, he had his high, hands tied behind his back with a God awful offensive line and a, a offensive coordinator who has the creativity of a black and white painting. Um, so it's kind of one of those things that I just kind of look at and I go, I think we did Brian Applewhite a disservice um, this year and, and really made him look bad. Um, Cause yeah, I mean, he had, he had talent, he had talent. It just wasn't able to, it wasn't able to come together through any form of rhythm. Um, so looking at EJ, uh, EJ, uh, oh shoot, EJ Barthel, I want to say like Bethard for whatever reason, I got freaking Iowa quarterback name stuck in my head. They live rent free clearly. Um, yeah, when I, when I think about him, it's like, he's got good potential. Um, I just hope that this Marcus Satterfield guy can give him room to breathe and, uh, Donnie. Well, hopefully we give talk about him here soon, but run. Yeah. Yeah. Give him, giving him offensive line that can, oh. that can make something happen. And I think you do pose a good question there, Derek. Like what, 
what I didn't even look into the offensive line. Like, what was he really working with? So, it was also Jim Mora's first year at UConn. So he brought EJ Barthel in with him when Jim Moore took the job this year. So my guess is they also have a new offensive line coach. I didn't look too deeply, but Moore came in this year was his first year as head coach at UConn. And obviously Barthel's first time there as well. So a lot Mm -hmm. of things changed then going into that. So uh, let's see here. I'm looking at 16 oh, different windows. I will say I will say that EJ Barthel's got a really good looking beard. That's that's a definite 100% uh I can get down with that beard. That's a good beard. <laughs> yep. It's got to be a I, great I coach can't, then. I can't I can't grow a beard, so I I get automatically <laughs> give coach some swagger if he's got Hey, you got a killer stash game going on, Scott. Don't yeah, sell yourself so short. It just doesn't grow in anywhere else. So <laughs> I could grow a goatee, but goatees are like apparently like not the thing to do at this point. There's the, the world. answer as to where Casey Thompson took everybody when he came from the office. That's a good spot. Yeah. yeah. That's a good spot. Definitely. Yeah, it wasn't the food there. Was... Nope. <laughs> That's an interesting question. Uh, Go Big Redcast is also asking get your opinion, guys, with Pete's not coming now, which we wouldn't talk about anyway, but we might as well before we move on to. Uh, Offensive line, uh, would we like to see Satterfield coach the QBs instead of OC and tight ends and then hire another O-line coach who also handles tight ends? What do you guys think? I, I'll go first on that. I, so that, that's an interesting dynamic of a tight end and another offensive line coach. Uh, that isn't the move I would like. I'd kind of like to see Ed Foley, uh, maybe him taking over tight end coach. He did that in the past. Um, he, is, he did that in uh, – Temple and maybe making a stab at bringing in another defensive coach. Um, hmm. You know, there, there's Pete's probably was going to make a good chunk of coin. Um, so there's some bigger names on the market from defense. Um, you know, we can re bring up the Robinson debacle, which we haven't been able to pull him the 15 times his name's been brought up from AM. Yeah. But I don't know. <laughs> That's what I'd like to see is to maybe make a stab at a bigger yeah. name assistant. Well, I know, I know Foley's got in, uh, got experience in offensive line as well. So tight ends, offensive, I think he had like 17 years of offensive line experience or something to that effect overall over his career. So uh, he's experienced there as well. Um, that's why you call, that's why we call him Ed F and Foley. Ed F and freaking Uncle Foley. Ed. Absolutely. Uncle well, Eddie. Uh, hey, shitter's full. Uh, dang, now I've got to, now I've got to throw the explicit tag in on myself. Sorry. You're the first Next one. Slide. We've got the hot button issue in Husker Nation right now. And I've heard many takes, even amongst the media, who the media's always tended to be pretty friendly toward uh, Husker head coaches, especially one that we will not name, uh, who shall remain nameless. Um, so, okay, Tyler, I know you've got something to say. So just let it rip, dude. I don't. I don't hate it. Um, and, and again, I think. I think. Well, well, can you give me a look? Like, am I in an alternate there? universe? No, no. Ju- wait, wait till Justin gets up. Oh, okay. You'll, gotcha. you'll, he he's the one that. <laughs> he, I think that Donnie fits very much the mold of coaches that uh, rules brought on staff. I mean, if you look at the guys <laughs> he brought in, he's brought a lot of former NFL guys that were that, and that kind of fits his mold. 
Um, he last year was not a great year, but I don't think anyone expected it to be a great year. He was really dealt a shit hand. Did he do anything to really build on it? I don't know. Um, I think it was important to keep a carryover coach. And while I could have probably named better names, I mean, I think we need to find a guy to do it. So of, of all the hires, he's kind of a middle of the road guy for me, um, honestly. And so I, I guess that's kind of my bar. I'll, I'll, I'll say this. Go ahead, Dustin. So, jeez. To, to me, the guy's impressed two two head coaches at Nebraska enough to get hired. So he's doing. He's got to be doing something right. I do believe he was just handed it a complete shit platter last year. You know, with uh, New Ely, his expected starting guard gets suspended for the year. Prohaska gets hurt three or four games into the season. You lose him for the year. Uh, it was just an impossible situation for the guy. I, was the offensive line bad? Yes, it was. It was terrible. There's no doubt. There's no denying that. Uh, I, I don't know that any offensive line coach is going to come in here and fix that situation in one year. So I, I'm willing to get, give the guy a shot. I, I I will say me and Tyler had some pretty good laughs. We've been telling Justin for two or three weeks before he was even a candidate that this was going to be our offensive line coach. Just, just to screw with him. <laughs> and he ends up actually being our offensive line coach. And while I would have went out and found, I don't know, about a dozen other guys I would have taken yeah. before him, I'm willing to give the guy a shot because I don't think I, I don't think you can judge him off of the one year he's had in Nebraska because I think it was an impossible situation for about any coach. Mm-hmm. Is it my turn? Anybody can red, go, buddy. whoever wants to go next. Seven, seven million dollars is what Matt Rule was given for an assistant uh, uh, pool, right? Mm-hmm. So everybody had in their mind what they thought this, the assistant coaches, what that was going to look like, right? Everybody had the visions of who that was going to be. Donovan Rayola was not in anybody's forecast of coming to see what was going to be on the staff in the following year. And th- after the initial set of hires and there, they weren't any wow hires for assistant coaches at all. Right. But there were two coaches that you really cannot miss on in the big 10 and that's offensive line and defensive coordinator. Those are two coaches you cannot miss. And with a $7 million pool, we went out and got a $300,000 guy that really did not show anything. You can talk about the hand that he was given. Okay, yeah, it was a shitty hand, but you know what? He probably shouldn't have been in the job anyway. There should have been more experience in this position anyway. He's getting another shot. I, we have to love it because he's going <laughs> to be our guy. I love it. It's just, it is. Well, it just, is. well, we have to love it now. I mean, Justin, before, we have to be behind him, right? Before Scott gets no, I in can, here. I, guess I can my, pretty much hate it. I can pretty much hate it. I'll, I'll but just, but my, I guess I'll he hate it. But okay, I understand the the concern. But my question is: Is there really, from the rumors that have been out there about who he was interviewing, if it wasn't Rayola, it was going to be someone that had the exact same resume as Rayola? Like we were not going after season offensive line coaches. That's not yeah. So so that's a problem too, right? Like because... that wasn't that wasn't who we were. We were not looking at a Big Ten offense. We weren't looking at Bart Scott or whatever his name is from Illinois trying to steal like a Big Ten. Pop- that wasn't it. We were looking at NFL assistants. Yeah. And, and, you know, John Garrison, he just left North Carolina State to go to uh, 
work with Lane Sean Kiffin. Callahan reported he didn't get an interview. He didn't yeah. get a call. So, I mean, it's, it wasn't like we were puzzling. going after these guys. It, it, it's it's truly puzzling. And, you know, you talked about the carryover. If you wanted to bring one coach from uh, the 2021 staff, there are so many other guys that have shown their ability to coach and recruit. I mean, Barrett Root, he's another young, energetic guy who's really coached that uh, those linebackers up hard and gotten those young guys to play hard, like Ernest Hausman, who's now gone. <laughs> and, uh, yep. you know, there's just so many other things. And we have we settled for Donovan Rayola. And what really pisses me off a little bit is everybody talks about, you know, all the other people, Tyler, you're talking about, you know, like Ed Foley helping on offensive line and all of these guys with offensive line experience. You have all these babysitters to to babysit them when you have $7 million. You could get one other guy to do it. Because you know what? There's a lot of inexperienced guys. Yes, you're, you're right. Go Big Red Cast says, uh, Osborne always said he thought having two offensive line coaches on staff. That's great. But what I'm getting at is like all the inexperienced coaches that we have on the staff, nobody's talking about babysitting them and providing them extra help to, you know, to help out in the secondary or the linebackers, because we're going to be talking about those guys and they're even experienced, but they're saying it for Donovan Rayola. You only say that because, I mean, your argument is like, well, he needs the help. I mean, it's just, it's really silly. It's really silly. And maybe maybe Donovan Rayola is going to be a great coach, but on the surface with a $7 million budget. Can I ask a question? Since we've gone away from the two offensive line coach system, how great have our offensive lines actually been since Osborne retired? You could argue they, well, once, especially once Solich got canned, uh, it just hasn't been the same. When we've had one guy in there running the offensive line, it just hasn't been the same. Granted, we were running the option. The offense was completely different, but uh, I could see some definite benefit in having a main guy that's in the room that the kids look to for technique and whatnot like that, but also having another guy in there for, for cleaning up the things that the new guy is trying to figure out. But I get it though, with the, yeah. the pool of money that rule had to work with uh, quite frankly, my surprise in all of this is the fact that he was given $7 million. Number one, why? Because he's Matt freaking rule. He doesn't go hire rock star coaches never has. He's hired his guys, and his guys are usually people nobody's ever heard of. He's a, as he said, a developmental coach. He runs a developmental program, and I don't think he just develops players. I think he he takes a lot of pride in developing coaches, too. So that's the way I look at it. He's hoping to develop Donovan, and I, my feeling is, the way rule is, he's the East Coast guy. You don't figure your stuff out in one year, we've got another guy we can probably plug in next year because you're out the door, so... We'll see. So, so the under, you know, the uh, underdeveloped coaches that he's brought on. Okay, so you get it at Temple, right? They probably don't have a huge salary pool at all. So he's mm-hmm. going to make do with what he does at the Group of Five level, because I'm sure that's what a lot make of those do. programs he won do. Ten games two years in a row. I think he knew, he knows what he's doing and he knows what he's looking for in a coach. But, I don't think but even at Baylor, Baylor coming off of what they had come off of, I can't imagine that the investment in football and the athletic department was going to be too high. So, you know, I, I don't know what that pool was, but he made do with uh, what he did, you know, getting three high school coaches 
in there, you know, but a lot of that was probably could have been political because you have to, you know, you have to kind of change the view of that program to get other uh, coaches to uh, send their kids to Baylor after coming off of, you know, all that bullshit there. But you, you make that argument, Justin, but I guarantee you Baylor fans were sitting back going, we're giving this guy a $3 million pool and he's going after high school coaches. Are you serious? Maybe, but it's not seven million, you know. But, but it's the same argument. I mean, but it's the argument here that I'm trying to make is simple, and that's the fact that Matt Rule is not going to go hire the latest rock star in college football just because he's got seven million dollars to do. He, what if he doesn't get along with the guy? What if, what if it doesn't work with his philosophy? His philosophy is completely different from most people. He wants to develop first. That's, that's a mistake, they, and that's a mistake all of us Nebraska fans have made. Yet, and then suddenly they get ranked as soon as Matt Rule gets on them. So, you know, and that's, I don't, and that's, that's the that's the mistake all of us Nebraska fans have made over the last I don't know three or four hires. Every time we get these new hires in, we're going, "Oh, they're, they're going to get these really this really great coaching staff." And you know, <laughs> I I don't remember Bo Pelini. I don't I don't remember the hires he made. I don't I don't remember what he did that made us all feel warm and fuzzy, but. You know, Mike Riley came in. He brought all of his buddies with him, with the exception of a few guys. And then Scott Frost came in. He brought all of his buddies. There was no exceptions. And now you got Matt Rule, and he's doing the same thing. Like, this is what coaches do. They, they bring, bring in guys, guys that they know. know and they trust and that know what they want to do. I think that, but he doesn't know Donovan Rayola. Well, and I think the difference, too, is I think I would have been fine if he would have brought his buddies from Baylor. Um you know that that would have been fine for me, but that's not the staff that he brought in. Most of the nope. staff didn't coach with him at Baylor, and Rayola is an example. And and back to the the um, the two offensive line coach, I I'm not it obviously worked for Tom, and that that was a great idea. I man, I just think with all the different things right now, like one of our offensive line coaches was special teams too. They helped out with that, like so. I guess you could throw Ed Foley there, but I think Ed Foley has his hands full. And again, maybe he could take over tight end coach. I just, I don't know. I, for someone who played a much, much, much lower offensive line, I can't imagine having two voices in that room. I, I don't That's, know. It seems tough for me. When, to when really one of them said Foley's voice, you're ready to run through a wall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Probably a brick one, too. Not know that you got hurt. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, have we. Well, no, we haven't because Scott, you really haven't talked about Raiola yet. I know you're pissed about it. You don't like it at all. Um, so why don't you go ahead? I mean, you're probably not going to say anything much different than the rest of them have, but you need to be heard. So be heard, my son. Yeah, I mean, if there would have been anybody that would have been carried over from the previous uh, staff, Donovan Raiola definitely would have been on my bingo card. That's for sure. Um, yeah, it's kind of a surprise. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe Matt rule does have a history of developing coaches and giving them a lot of room for development, I guess, to be a little bit redundant. Um, but this just, this just doesn't make any sense to me. Um, I, I understand the context, you know, I can be a glass half full guy and say, well, you know, he was dealt a shit hand. We've said that. He, uh, you know, he's he's a new guy. He's this, he's that, he's all these things. 
but what it ultimately comes down to is like, dude, it's, it's the big 10. You've got to have a good offensive line. You've got to figure out your trenches and maybe for whatever reason, Matt rule saw something in this guy that he just absolutely fell in love with, which I assume is what happened because I don't see any other reason why he would have retained him aside from 12 dudes all walking out of his door going, I don't want anything to do with this program because it's such a dumpster fire right now. And then he just settled with Donovan Raiola. Um, you, you, have that, to, you have to laugh a little bit at the irony of this, though, right? Like, we've all said this. Like, oh, Donovan yeah. Raiola is the absolute last guy that's going to get hired. And he is the only one that gets retained. Yeah, it's an absolute. It's it's well, you, like can't, you, you can't you can't sketch. Irony. If you can't have a sense of humor about that, I don't. I don't oh know yeah, I, I do. I, I actually kind of laughed when I first saw the headline. I was like, "What? Okay, I, I have all to right, admit, we'll I see." I I giggled too. I I was like, "Oh wow, this this absolutely figures." And then I and then the other thought that occurred to me was, "This is like such a total Matt Rule thing to do." This is the Nebraska you know, way. It's just, it's just it's what he does, and we'll see how it works out. I will say, let's see how I big did, of a wall we can build up before we try to tear it down. Yeah, <laughs> it was. Um, I did just a little bit. I did, looked at some some stats between the offensive line in 2021 and the offensive line in 2022. Uh, there was zero improvement. In fact, the lane, line got worse when it came to passing and rushing offense. End of story. There's you can't sugarcoat that. But one of the things offensive line, offensive play calling has something to do with that. Offensive play calling, yeah, we could say the X's and O's certainly had something to do with it, no doubt about it. Because Whipple, Whipple's, running, a, Whipple's running attack was garbage, and and running and running a offense that the backup quarterbacks had almost no snaps in practice, and then when the main guy goes down, you basically have no offense. Didn't help either. Um, but what did change under Donovan Raiola is the fact that there was, and one of the things Rule has mentioned is he wants to run a disciplined physical football program. And you can say that the the discipline definitely improved on the offensive line because in 2021, they had two, 24 offensive line penalties throughout the season, average of two a game. That dropped to 14, a 41.7% improvement in 2022. So the offensive line wasn't hurting this team with stupid penalties at the wrong moments. In fact, in 2022, there were five games without an offensive line penalty. So, um, but then you look at market improvement, definitely an improvement. But when we played the best teams like Oklahoma, uh, Michigan, and teams like that, those were the games where we had multiple penalties on the offensive line because they had multiple creatures on the other side of the line that tended to make our offensive line look dumb. Uh, so there's, you know, there's trade-offs all the way along, but what you can say is that 10 less penalties over the course of a season is going to make a difference in uh, your line not hurting your team uh, in the win-loss column for oh, certain. They found a way, don't you? They worry. found a way. Hey, we won one more <laughs> game. I'm gonna I'm gonna hold on to that. <laughs> so let's move on to the defense because why not? We've uh, we've all but buried the offense now because <laughs> we still don't know who the wide receiver coach, who the quarterbacks coach, and all that good stuff is going to be. <sighs> Hopefully, we'll know soon. Anyway. Defense coordinator, as we talked about before we kind of got on the stream, this is the hire you talked about, Justin, being the one, one of the two that you can't miss on in the Big Ten. 
Now, a lot, there was a lot of knee-jerk reaction, including by myself, seeing the three-three-five defense going, oh my goodness, how's that going to work when we're playing Iowa and Wisconsin and Minnesota in November and, and late October? And to be honest with you, I can't answer that question. I can't spin this with anything positive as far as what the run game on defense is going to look like. But uh, it's not a bad hire. I think we've all kind of agreed before we got on the stream that this is kind of our, yep, this is the guy we really need, or at least this is a good guy that we got in one of the better hires that uh, just based on looking at what he's done. Um, do you guys have any thoughts that you want to just throw out there? Uh, starting with you, Scott on Tony white. Yeah. I just think there's a, the, one of the trends that I have noticed with every single hire is the fact that they do not have big 10 experience and the, Offensive coordinator Marcus Satterfield has a little bit in the SEC, but I mean, across the board, you just don't see a lot of Big Ten experience. And this is another one of those instances. And that's my pessimistic, pessimistic take. Um, I just wish that from the defensive standpoint, the defensive coordinator standpoint, the offensive line standpoint, which I mean, you can argue Donovan Raiola has 12 games of experience now in the Big Ten, but regardless, this is one of those places where I would have expected to see, I mean, at least give me an SEC guy or, you know, please get me somebody with some Big Ten experience. And he just doesn't have that, which, you know, it is what it is. But what he did at Syracuse was pretty formidable. I mean, yeah, he he led back-to-back top 30 defenses from 21 and 2022. Um, and yeah, ranked 19th nationally when it came to yards per game. And I mean, just looking at just the stats, I mean, he did, he did some good things for the orange, which I mean, that's Syracuse, dude. Like they, they just, they're not a, you know, a a perennially good team. So the fact that he was able to scrounge up a pretty nasty defense and a consistently nasty defense, I mean, I'll take I'll take it for what it's worth. At face value, pretty damn good hire. Uh, but like I said, I could be the pessimist. I can be the glass half empty guy and look at it and go, yeah, but is that going to translate to the Big Ten? Is he going to bring that mentality here where people just know that the the grind is a little bit different? You know, I will say, you know, hey, looking at it. He was able to go from uh, Arizona State to Syracuse, which is a completely different uh, weather uh, like system. So if he was able to create a really good, salty, disciplined defense in, well, a snowy and salty state, um, that could translate well here. So you can, I can look at it both ways. I'd say that he's probably one of the guys that, like, I think we can all agree when we first saw the name pop up on our phones or wherever we found out about the news, you were like, who, what, huh? Um, and then you look at it and you're like, okay, what, huh? And then like, as you kind of dig in, as I kind of dug into it a little bit more, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm not like my butthole isn't as puckered. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's okay. It's an okay hire. There's the visual I was waiting for. Thank you. Appreciate that. Yes, my <laughs> bubble is wide to, open. Uh, whoever, shoot, I keep for. Am I muted? No, I'm not. Hey, nope. there you go. Uh, whoever wants to go next, go ahead. I'm just trying to make. Uh, sure. I'll just say I love the hire. I absolutely love cool. this hire. This is a this is a solid pickup. You know, I'm not sure about this three three five, but you know, it's 
it's fine. It, it's going to be perfectly fine. It's so uh, it, it it'll work. The thing that I like about this is, and this is like an underrated thing, is like what what do the fans of those teams? Because just take a step back. All these hires that uh, Matt Rule has really made, you know, outside of maybe one or two guys, uh, Rayola and Satterfield. I've never heard of any of these other guys. So it's kind of like good to get like a fan perspective from the other teams. So the fan perspective from uh, what I've seen about like t- uh, Tony White from Syracuse fans is they absolutely love the guy. And they thought that he sh- probably should have been the head coach. So when I see things like that, it's like, I was like, wow, we really got a good one right here. If they think that highly of him and he was a, you know, he is a, a Broyles award nominee, uh, I mean, Syracuse, he coached that defense up pretty damn well uh, for you know the level of talent that they were probably getting. I, I just think it's going to work at Nebraska. I think he's going to – he's by far the best hire that we have. So uh, I'm excited for it. I, I can't wait to see what he does here. I'll, I'll, add, th- I'll add this. I, Scott, I know you talked about not having Big Ten experience. And while, while I do, would like to see some Big Ten experience, I, I also think there's a little bit of overratedness to it, as in the fact that, dude, at one point, Jim Leonard had no Big Ten, Big Ten experience. Became one of the best defensive coordinators in the Big Ten. Ryan Walters, when he came to Illinois, had no Big Ten experience. Who's Ohio State's guy uh, from that came from Oklahoma State? I don't remember. Uh, Noel. Jim- Jim Knowles. Knowles. Jim Knowles. He yeah, had a, right. he had essentially no Big Ten experience. Uh, Joe Rossi in Minnesota, who's had a great defense this year, had basically no no Big Ten experience. So I to sit there and say that he can't be a good coach, you don't have Big Ten experience. But other teams do it all the time. There's no reason Nebraska can't do it too. Uh, I, I think he's a great hire. I if if, if, he, if he was hiring a rock star all 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 star team. He would, this guy would probably be on the lower lower end normally, but after seeing everybody else, he's hired. This is like this. This is the rock star. It's hire. all about relative information, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. relative relative to the dumpster fire. It's a pretty good uh, real estate. Are you look well, at the defense. So he runs. He, he runs very. Uh, I know it's three three five. And I'm not going to sit here and pretend to be an expert in X's and O's, but but I'll tell you this: it's an aggressive offense or uh, aggressive defense. Uh, they try to get a lot of takeaways. They try to get some t- some sacks. And it's it's going to be an exciting defense to watch, I believe. Yeah, and, and Derek, not to to go on this thing, but like I think there is a difference though with the the guys that you named versus Tony White when it comes to Big Ten experience. One, Jim Leonard. Yeah, I guess technically at some point in time he didn't have Big Ten experience, but. He was basically born with Big Ten experience. I mean, with the college in the Big Ten, I think his first coaching job was in the Big Ten. Well, then Matt, then Matt Rule was a bit born in a Big Ten experience. But the, you can't have it both ways, Tyler. When, okay, when your first coaching job's in the Big Ten, like Jim Leonard, everything he's done has been Wisconsin based. And, and while Ryan Walters, you're right, wasn't in Illinois, he wasn't Big Ten. He came from the SEC, which is a much different conference than the AC, ACC. So it wasn't like that. And he went to Brett Bielma, who was, again, very much in the know of how the conference needs to look. I think the thing is, Matt Rule, I think in this staff, could have benefited from getting a couple guys that had their trenches and they they, they understood a little bit of the Big Ten week in, week out. 
we we heard Mickey Joseph kind of talk about that when uh you know and he was uh be an interview when he was the interim is like man the big 10 is just a different league and i think he would have benefited from guys that know what it takes to win and if 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 matt rule had coached here for eight years i'd be less concerned about him bringing guys from different conferences but he hasn't so that's my only concern on the big 10 thing it'd be yeah, nice to yeah i i just look at it like yeah there's there's always going to be exceptions to the rule and and you are right, Derek. There are definitely a bunch of exceptions to the rule of like what kind of experience are you bringing to a system of football? And a Big Ten, Big Ten has its own identity with their systems. And there are some exceptions, like some dudes just have the it factor, and they just show up to a place, and they've got the right philosophy, they've got the right mentality, they've got the ability to to coach and uh, build players up and develop them. Um, it's just like if if I don't know if I don't know that they're the exception to that rule, then my my immediate rule of thumb is to just assume that they are a part of the rule, not the exception. Um, and so looking at looking at this guy, it's like, well, I'm gonna I'm not gonna give him the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to put him into the box of well, he's gonna either he's either gonna be the part of the rule, and that is gonna be not be able to translate his philosophy to the big 10 or he's going to change my expectation and he's going to become an exception. So that's just the way I look at it. That's, that's my, I guess, framework. That I, I, I guess at. the way I look at it is when, when you look at what a dumpster fire Syrac- Syracuse's defense was, and you look at statistically how bad that defense was for the better part of 10 years before he got there. And in his first year as defense coordinator, he struggled a little bit. That last two years, he had it was a top thirty defense each year. Yep, and he. T- yep. I mean, that's that's a, that's a big improvement. It is, and I and I really hope I do really hope that that translates to the Big Ten. And and what I do expect to see is probably an an, an average defense. If if there's anything that I expect going into twenty twenty three, I'd say that we're not going to be overwhelmed with the defense. We're going to be like meh. But what I do hope is that that we get some development and he is able to scheme up some mad IQ points and 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 make some shit work for us. So that's that's what I hope. I mean, if he's able to do that at Syracuse, I mean, sky's the limit, man. Like, <laughs> come on, you know, like uh, EJ EJ uh, Barthel EJ Barthel. I about did the Bethard thing again. Uh, if he was able to do that at, at <laughs> UConn, then. All right, sky's the limit, dude. Same thing with this guy. I mean, I, I, I'm hopeful. This is the guy that I would say that I'm the most optimistic about, but I'm still just like hesitantly, you know, pessimistic. Cautiously about optimistic. It. Yeah, I, I hear you. Yeah. Just, <clears throat> I know one of the concerns I'd heard or I'd see, at least seen uh, put out there was that his defense wasn't good at the run. And we kind of talked about that before we got on the stream that especially last year, 68th in the country against the run, but in 2021, his defense was 26th in the country against the run. So he can stop the run. Maybe there was some new players, younger players on that defense that couldn't quite grasp the concepts yet. And that's why the run defense wasn't quite as good. But anyway, you guys are nailing it. I don't have to say much because you covered everything. That's awesome. I can just sit here and run a stream. Life's well, good. And, and, and listen, we're all sitting here talking about this run-heavy uh, Big Ten, but you know, you got Illinois still probably going to be run-heavy. Minnesota probably. Wisconsin. I'm not so sure they're going to be run-heavy as much as they have been. They just went and hired Phil Longo for a offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. 
he's not a run heavy guy. Like, I don't know what Wisconsin's trying to do at this point, mm-hmm. but it's it's not Wisconsin. It's not what they're trying to do. They could have just taken Mark Whipple. <laughs> uh, Phil Longo's been known to run the ball a little bit better than Mark Whipple, but I would certainly hope so. Especially at Wisconsin, those people start losing their cheese. <laughs> he doesn't figure well, out. He, he is a pa- he is a little more of a pass heavy guy. I mean, he's right, right. So let's see here. Next up, we have got Mister Terrence Knighton. Uh, oh, go to Tyler. Go to Tyler. Go to Tyler. Go for it, Tyler. Let it rip, Tater Chip. I mean, you know, th- this is going to be a guy that is definitely, again, fits the mold of what a lot of these assistant coaches uh, were. It, it, they, they have the NFL experience, which to me has been very evident with something very important to Matt Rule in the coaching search. Um, we talked about this with EJ Barthol a little bit. I think I've been impressed what he's done on the uh, on the recruiting trail. It seems like he's already come out there and really hit the ground running a little bit, getting this going. Um, you know, is there a coach on the staff that is more unknown than uh, Terrence? Uh, probably not. Um, but but that's not always a bad thing, right? I mean, people are crushing Donnie because he has a little bit of experience. Um, you know, he's, he's definitely a white canvas, uh, definitely falls in the vibrant and uh, energetic coaches that Matt Rule <laughs> has been bringing in. So, um, and, and I know I've well been asked said. this. I don't just, I, I don't, I have a thesaurus open for the uh, synonyms of the same description of words that I'm just pulling out of my ass every time I'm talking about these guys. No, oh, wait, maybe I do. Right. Uh um, but no, I mean, what do you, what do you, what do you want to know about? I mean, like, there's just not a lot of evidence in his history. Agreed. Agreed. Next, <laughs> this, is a, this is a very uh, awkward silence there. Oh my god. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, something, Lord, no. something, an experience. Something, something yells yep. a lot. Something, something. And, and there's there's these biggest NFL stories on coach. recruiting. I mean, oops, dang it. There's some players that seem to like him. We'll see if he actually lands some commits, but I, I don't know. It's a puzzling hire. It's it's it, a puzzling it hire. It's it's one of those areas. It's the trenches. Like, what are we doing? Mm-hmm. We've got to, to two me, guys. I don't you think Justin put enough emphasis on this. I I think this is another hire you could not miss on. Like, yeah, and like copied and pasted. He copied lines. and pasted you're, the Donovan Raiola yeah. like this, hire. This was the first hire you're, you're, that your two line coach the two that you cannot miss on. Why? Why did we go here? Was Knighton was the first one that I went? I get the NFL experience. Hey, I get all. He he legit has the exact same resume that Donovan Rail had last exactly year. Exactly same resume. No, that's yep. not fair. Rail's experience is better. He was at least a GA at Notre Dame. Like, I mean, he, he had at three least years Terrence of- Knighton was a D an actual D line coach at an FCS school. What what was Aurora? I don't remember. Rayola? He no, was like Aurora, a division three. Okay. But okay, we're, I'm not gonna nitpick. What I will say Knighton wasn't, he was at Wagner. <laughs> what, what, I'll, what I'll say about Terrence, though, and, and a plus another plus category for him. I mean, this is a guy that literally just came off the staff with Matt Rule. Like, and, and you guys point out, this was the first public hire that was made. 
Uh, again, I don't know if it actually was, but the first. So this is a guy that you got to believe Matt Rule is like, man. When I get my next job, I I need pork chop. Is it pork chop? Pork something? Pork, it's pot, pot roast. roast. Pot roast. Mutton chop. Pot roast. Mutton <laughs> chop. Pork chop, chop was Corey Ross, wasn't it? Pork chop was <laughs> Corey Ross. Yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah, you got pot roast. And, and I mean, I've seen video of him talking to his defensive line in in the NFL. I mean, he yeah. he was coaching them up. I mean, it wasn't. There's nothing. There's nothing to slam yeah, on the guy. Me, it gives me it's hard. Just, it's just. It's just uh, the lack of experience. I'm just saying that with a nickname like pot roast. Like I mean, I mean that's a, that's I mean, a, that's a future you call Hall of chicken pot pie for all I care. <laughs> That's a great nickname. Can we, like, can we do that for, uh, can we, can we do that for Donnie? Is Donnie sweet our little pie. chicken pot pie? No. Oh. God well, all right, all right, all right. Before this completely descends into what we ate tonight, um, move on to the defensive backs coach and Evan Cooper. What again? Temple is that uh, connective tie to, to Rule for sure. Played DB from 2006, 2009. I believe Rule was there as some sort of an assistant at that point. Um, GA at Temple in 2013, Director of External Operations 2014, Director of Player Personnel 2015, 2016. Uh, so he was there the entire Rule tenure, as well as with him at Baylor for most of the time he was at Baylor. So what are we thinking? I know recruiting coordinator, that's a big one. You see a lot of recruiting um, bona fides with all of these guys, and some a few of them have been considered recruiting coordinators at past stops. So it seems, doc on it, there I go again. Um, it seems Rule is putting uh, an emphasis on guys that have a lot of experience out there recruiting and, and heading up recruiting departments. So uh, I'll start with you, Derek. What do you think of Evan Cooper? Uh, he, he, okay, here's another one. When he when we hired him, I'm like, okay, I can deal with it. I'm, I'm not overly happy with it, but I can deal with it. But the more I get to know him, the more I'm starting to read about him, the more I'm seeing about him, I, I like the guy. I, I think he's going to be a good recruiter. Uh, he, he's done some – I mean, he's not completely inexperienced. He coached cornerbacks at Baylor. He's got some experience. He's not a ton, but – I think his recruiting is going to come around. I think he'll be – hell, he put uh, two or three top 35 classes at Baylor together. Uh, I, I like the guy. I took me a little bit to come around to him, but I like him. I love the hire. I think it's a solid hire uh, from what he's did at Baylor. And he, was, he, he wasn't an assistant uh, secondary coach at Carolina. He was the DB coach at Carolina. Uh Solid hire. I love what he's doing on the recruiting trail right now. He's everywhere. He's talking to everybody. I think he's 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 doing his thing, and he has really – he's one of the better coaches that Matt Rule has hired, and I think we're in great hands with him doing his thing. Yeah, yeah. I'll jump – I'm sorry, Scott. Go ahead. Yeah, I – I think he's a. I think he's one of. He is definitely a coach. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's it's kind of you have to you have to look you have to look pretty hard to to find um, a lot of information about him. It's scattered everywhere. Um, it's I not do, like some of the guys where they don't even have a wiki page, though, right? Well, yeah. I mean, I think Evan is one of those. I can't find. Yeah, he doesn't have a wiki page. No, nope. doesn't. Uh, 
No, no, he doesn't. He doesn't. I the yeah. No, there's. It took me a, a little bit to find information about him. I I think I I were we going to after we go through all of the coaches rank them? You know, was that our idea? Like not rank we're them, doing, but uh, best sleeper. We're doing some superlatives. And yep, we're doing superlatives at the end. Yeah, at the end. Doing, yeah. very well. We're then doing, I will say that he excited about the one that we're curious to see what happens and the one that we're not. He, Yes, he he falls into one of those categories. I'll let you guys guess which one it is. But um yeah, I think I think he has really good potential to be a pretty dang solid secondary coach. That's I just want to go back to something that Tyler was talking about earlier with maybe bringing Ed Foley to coach the tight ends and bringing in another another uh defensive assistant. Maybe maybe defensive backs is a place where you start now that you're running a 3-3-5. And you're gonna have five defensive backs back there. Maybe having a cornerbacks and a safeties coach ain't such a bad idea. Yeah. Hmm. Sure. Sure. I got gotcha. you. Well, next up. Oh, and he's got a good looking beard too. There we go. Dang the Skippy. End. Then you got a linebacker who's not linebackers coach who's not yet officially listed or announced at this point, but this is the name everybody's talking about. So I threw him in there. Uh played at Temple. <laughs> Imagine that. Coached at Baylor. Wow, that's a shock. And uh, all that good stuff. So, Rob Dvorak, I think he was, uh, if I remember right, all-conference or something like that, and then had a career-ending injury. So, uh, lettered two years, all that good stuff. So, he knows kind of how the rule the rule blueprint looks. So, we, and of course, not much of a wiki. I didn't see much of a Wikipedia thing, at least on, not on his coaching. So, um, same pedigree. Seems to you have didn't find anything because he hasn't really done any coaching. Hmm? You didn't find anything because he really hasn't done any coaching. No, yeah, this might be, be it the could most be summarized higher out of all of them. It could be it could be summarized in three statements that on three put into the coaching hire tracker, which is Carolina defensive assistant played for rule at Temple, not officially <laughs> announced yet by Nebraska. Yeah, exactly. That's that pretty much perfect covered. summary. <laughs> I think he's thirty-two years old. I mean, I think I think I can speak for probably most of us when I say we're hoping it doesn't officially get announced. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't understand why you would why you would take this guy over Barrett Road because I, this I, this guy is dynamic. He is spirited, animated. He has all the things you want in an up and coming coach. Like, oh, he could course, be developed as a motherfucker. Yeah, development. I, I I don't I just don't get it. I mean, I'm with you, Josh. I don't I don't I I do not understand. I really hope that next the year we I guess just you can blow the freaking wheels off of the Big Ten, and we can just sit there with our hands on our cocks and be like, "Well, maybe, I'm glad that I'm we wrong. were just a bunch of dicks." Were we wrong? And yeah. I hope I am wrong. I, mean, oh, I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm, I wrong. hope I'm wrong so bad. And, and, and hey, he can have a babysitter because uh, White's. Uh, <laughs> coached linebackers quite a bit too so. and he's like my age so, and i still need let me put it this way so. if you play the game if taken uh the last staff uh the 2021 husker staff and the 20 or i'm sorry 2022 staff and the future 2023 staff and you put them side by side and you look at those parallels it's like you know play better same or worse at that game there's no bigger drop off from a coach Going from Barrett Rude to this guy. There's no, 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 no. You are wrong. We are about to get to the biggest gap, but no, that that is 
Bill <laughs> Bill Bush to Ed Foley is like Tom Osborne to Scott. And Frost. that is bullshit, Tyler. And you know that. But there is no bigger drop off going. Can we, I hope you bite Lewis. your tongue. You speak, you speak devil of Ed F and Foley. Yeah. All right. Since we're there. Wait, wait, wait. Am, am I wrong though? I mean, Tyler, no, you're wrong. Crazy. This is the biggest guess. Wrong. But wrong. It, the rest of you're you wrong. guys are rational, right? So no, I'm full of shit. No, let's talk about Mario Verduzco. I'm, I'm sorry, Ed Foley. I'm gonna <laughs> get that wrong a couple times because they're that's exactly what we just hired as MV 2.0. Um, the the twenty seven year old vet that had never actually coached any big football is Mario Verduzco two point except he was actually at Rutgers, which Ed Foley can't speak to. So I mean, I so Ed Foley is a lot of experience. So I have to get my a different page up for Ed Foley because uh, he doesn't fit the mold of the rest of the staff of NFL assistants that are young, vibrant. Uh, Ed Foley is experienced. He's the old fart. <laughs> he 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 is kooky, yep. uh, and yeah, he's gonna be our special teams coach. We had Bill Bush, now we have Ed Foley, and and he and he led the league, or it was the top. What Justin? You're all the all he was to Justin. Justin, tell him some stats. So I mean, if you want to talk about block kicks, he was the special teams coach from 2013 to 2018. He was in the top ten in blocked kicks, four out of those six years. Freaking mm-hmm. huge, right? Punt returns and kick returns. I mean, uh, I'm doing the math in my head here. Uh, five, six, seven, eight punt return TDs over those time, over that time, and uh, another three kick what? returns for TDs. Uh, Something we haven't seen in Nebraska in years. Yeah. Nope. Punt coverage was solid for most of the years. Kickoff coverage. I mean, it's he, he was he was just a solid dude. Uh, Sean Callan, if you like group up all of the special teams categories and put it up there, it's like four of the five years he was top 25. Four of the last five years he was top 25 in all of special teams. Uh, he coached uh, in 2018. He had coached a the uh, AAC special teams player of the year uh, as a He's a punt returner. Uh, I forget his name, Isaiah something. But uh, and then in 2016, he had an all-conference kicker. I mean, he's he's done some really good things. And as bad as Nebraska special teams have been over the you know last however long, this year they were actually good. But there's no drop off. There's no drop off from what Bill Bush had done up until. Uh, Tyler, Tyler. So for the people just listening, Tyler is absolutely hateful for Uncle Ed for whatever I, reason. I don't he's hate like, Uncle Ed. He's waving I, his I, th- I think his You're- SNL skit is hilarious when he is living, telling people to live in the van down by the river. I think it's hilarious. I think he's hilarious. Um, he's a cartoon character. I, I just I find it like he who you cares know, we, who cares we, if he can saw, coach football and he does it well it's it looks like he can scheme one hell of a special teams I, attacking so well that you know he's had exactly the same amount of power five jobs as all of us does that matter why does that matter when you've been a coach for twenty five years and no one has given you a shot to be a special teams coordinator in a power five yeah how do you the, how do you know nobody's given him a chance how do you know he didn't just want to stay at Temple. Maybe because he left Temple he and went to, to he went he left Temple to go be an assistant special teams coach in Carolina. 
He did eventually. But he stayed at Temple under two or three coaches. I think it was two. I mean, at least two. He's been he coaching for, for 32 years. He was, he was there, he was there for all of Matt Rule's time. And he was there for all of Jeff Collins' time. That was 10, that was 10 years. He was at Temple for 10 years. Uh, and he coached for 32 years. There's 22 years he could have went so and got some experience. There's a lot of guys that you can knock, Tyler. This is not one of those guys. No, he, he's he is he is right in the middle of the pack. You're right. You want to judge a book by his cover and say, "Oh, I can laugh." I'm just, at his, I, 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 I just, can laugh at his fat face and his big glasses. He's an old fucker, so I can sit here and laugh at him. So yeah, he that's can't it. Be a good coach. That's all you got. That's all you have. He's a cartoon. I didn't, if, I didn't, he is a cartoon guys. character. I do not know what I missed. I do we're not know what I missed, gift. but I, need the popcorn gift I had right my now. headphones off and was like approximately 20 feet away from my computer. And I could hear you guys rambling from <laughs> across the room on my headphones. I just, <laughs> I just think that we had Bill Bush. Like, I guess that's my thing. If we didn't have, Bill, if we still had the special teams coat that we had two or three years ago, that would be different. But we had a guy. And look, I would take Bill Bush back too. Like, I, I'm not yeah. saying I would. I, I'm not saying this is a huge step forward from 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 Bill Bush. I'm not saying that. You're saying that's a huge drop off. It's Tom when, you about, when you talk about drop off, I'm it's talking Mike Dawson to Knighton, Phil Knighton, whatever the hell his name is. <laughs> Terrence Knighton. <laughs> Phil Knighton. Pot roast. Just call him pot roast. Pot roast. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about a guy the that Nike had guy. NFL experience and Power Five experience. And multiple years experience to a guy that coached for friggin' Wagner. And you want to talk about this is the biggest drop off? Yeah. Go jump off a bridge with no water. He, I mean, at the bottom. He, he hasn't actually been he hasn't actually been a special teams coordinator since 2018. <laughs> right, hey, we got a sub out of the deal. <laughs> shit. <laughs> I, I just I, I I am rooting for Uncle Ed. I I hope he does well. I just I think that there's something telling when you haven't been an actually full time coach since 2018. Like, He's been following Matt Rule around. Yeah, and Matt Rule hasn't given him a full time position coaching job. Maybe he doesn't want one. Maybe he just wants to be. Just, and now he does. Maybe could he, he not want one. Maybe, maybe he's doing it as a favor to Matt Rule. You don't know. I don't know. I, I I love this hire. I he's I think it's a great hire. I do. He's he's in the top three for me. He's definitely a hire, that is for sure. Jesus, hire. Scott, you're you're like I tell you what, Scott, you are like more pessimistic than what I was underneath the Scott Frost regime, right? That's now. what this year did to me, man. I am a broken soul. I, I am everything shocked. hurts. My cock has never been so soft before. <laughs> 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 you can tell we played cards against humanity last night for sure. Oh my goodness. Well, I have that effect on men. Yeah. So let's go ahead and do it guys. Let's go ahead and just run down our list of the least impressive, most impressive, and then the higher that we're looking for to see where it goes. I'll start and I'll just give you all three of mine. Um, my least impressive hire is I think what most of us are probably going to say, which is Terrence Knighton. Uh, zero power five experience other than his years in the NFL. And he knows what it takes to get to the NFL and perform at that level. I don't know what he brings to the table. That's bottom line. 
Uh, my most impressive hire for me will be is definitely Tony White. And then the guy that I am most looking forward to seeing where he goes is EJ Barthel. So there you go. Those are my three. We'll start with you, Derek. Who's your least? All right. I'll just play a little different from you, and I'll say my least my least favorite's got to be it, if it becomes official, uh, Dvorak. Okay. Like, zero experience. I mean, just nothing. I, I Knighton's right there too, but just to be different, I'll, I'll, to me they're one A, one B. As far as most impressive, it's got to be Tony White. Like I, I think it's a great hire. I really do. And I'll, I'll say. Ed F and Foley, baby. Uncle I, I love this guy. I love to see what he's going to do. And he's he's going to turn this offensive line around, helping old Donnie Royola out. <laughs> and then and then Tyler's going to have nothing but praise to say about this guy. I yeah. might as well just follow Derek's uh, footsteps there because I completely agree with him uh, in everything. Uh, best hire, Tony, Tony White. It's not even a discussion for me. Worst hire... Not, I'm sorry, not worst hire. Least exciting hire is uh, Rob Dvorak, uh, easily. And sleeper hire, I love Ed Foley. I'm on the Ed Foley bandwagon. I just, I love, I love the dude. He's great. I love the experience. <laughs> All righty, go ahead, Tyler. So tune into the Husker Cuzcast all season for the Ed Foley show. I think that... <laughs> and... Follow them at Husker Cuzcast on Twitter and yeah. Facebook and subscribe at Husker Cuzcast on your favorite podcast. Yeah, yeah, you or do, the Ed you know, Foley so, show. Yeah, the official so podcast for Ed Foley takes. Ken, if you look at my name on the screen right there, yeah. I typed it in wrong. Uh, yes. My my Twitter handle. I typed it in wrong. <laughs> well, and do a little cussing. So actually, Scott should yeah. Scott. So uh, anyway, yeah, I, didn't put, I didn't put my Twitter handle, but uh, but but my coaches. Um, you know, I I guess I, you know Rob would definitely be near the bottom of the least excited. But I'm gonna. I didn't include him since he hasn't been official. Um, and I'm gonna go EJ Barthel is actually my least. Um, a little bit uh, different there. A big part of that has to go into the drop off. Um, you know, I talked about the drop off of Ed Foley to Bill Bush. I think Applewhite to Barthol is a pretty big drop off, also. Um, so I maybe a little bit better on a couple of those coaches, but he's he's down there for me. Um, the best hire, the home run, the closest thing to a home run hire is Tony White. I mean, nothing more to add there. And to me, the guy that's the uh, most likely to be a surprise. I don't remember the actual title of this superlative. Wait. Sleeper, Donnie Raiola, get give him a chance. Like he has the most Big Ten experience. He's third on staff and power, fourth on staff and power five experience. Like he's still young. He he. I mean, give give yeah, Donnie he's forty. A He'll be forty this year. Young. Hey, you know what? You know what happens? That you're a man. Then you don't mess it when you're when you turn forty. You're a man. Yeah, he's like the third, I'm second, third oldest coach. I, I would put Evan Cooper in there before. I, see, I don't think Evan Cooper is a sleeper. I think I Evan think Cooper is legit number two good. higher on staff. I think he is. He is. If we did not hire Tony White and we were recording, Evan Cooper was going to be my favorite hire. So I, I don't. Yeah, I do think Evan Cooper is a better hire than Donovan Rail. I just don't even think he he's not a sleeper. Yeah. yeah, he's he's. A really I still weird, think it was a sleeper. I guess. I, yeah, that that's the difference for me. I think Donnie's like towards the bottom, but I think he has a little bit more upside. Like if I'm ranking the coaches, Donovan Royal is not one of my top four, but 
I think he has the potential to get there. That's that's why I listed him as a sleeper. Scott. All right. So in the world of unknowns, I would say that yeah, you could make an argument for Terrence Knighton and especially Rob Dvorak as the least, you know, the least exciting hires. Um, but since they are in the land of the unknown, I I mean, it's just by default, very not exciting. Um, but I've got Donovan Raiola as my known least exciting hire. I've just got him because we know what we, we kind of have an idea of, of what's coming and I honestly, maybe I'm just playing a game of like, I mean, I pre- the first time I've ever predicted us to lose against Iowa, we finally win. And so I'm just really hoping that my by me picking the least exciting, our offensive line just blows the wheels off of the Big Ten. But I've got him as my uh, least exciting hire. Um, and then for my most exciting hire, yep, I think it's uh, pretty much unanimous that uh, Tony White would definitely take that cake. Um, and then, yeah, for my sleeper, I do got Evan Cooper. I've got him as the sleeper just in the sense that, I don't know, I just got this feeling. I've got this feeling in my soul that uh, he's going to put together a really solid secondary for us next year. Uh, that's it. What I will say mm-hmm. about Donovan Rayola as like uh, the least exciting, I mean, he's the biggest dick punch higher out of everybody right especially the way that it all came about when you know because uh i'm sitting there on whatever night it was and we saw john garrison was going to be named uh the o-line coach at uh from football scoop right so i tw- uh i saw the tweet sent it out to the cousins and i'm like yes yes you know finally something to be excited about and it was you know five minutes later then sean callahan's like no 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 that's false it's Donnie Rayola. I tell you what, that ruined my night. I was watching something on Netflix, and I had to turn it off. I had to turn it off, and I went to bed, and I laid there, and I could not even fucking sleep because I was so disturbed <laughs> by that. Well, there's the first F-bomb. <clears throat> so, again, I, I think one thing just to specify, and I think we would all sign off on this message, we all know Matt Rule knows way more about coaching than any of us. Like, like so It makes opinion- you wonder with these hires, doesn't it? Makes yep. you wonder. You know, a little bit, but I I am old enough to remember about three weeks ago or two weeks ago when we first heard Ed Foley and Terrence Knighton and everyone's like, oh, he's bringing these guys as analysts. These aren't actually going to be our position coaches. Right. And <laughs> like, and you heard all that stuff. And then all of a sudden it's which, like, which, which we all sat here and laughed at too, because what coach comes in and hires their analyst. First? Yeah. The first thing we're going to do is bring analysts. And I, I had a different thread. I was like, it was around Terrence. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I, I think I think Terrence is going to be our defensive line coach, and he's like, no, no, he there's no he's an analyst, and and again, Ed Foley was in the same bucket, and nope, nope, this is it. So I, again, <laughs> well, then, then there yep. was the narrative that well, Matt Rule likes to have two defensive line coaches, so yeah. well, now now we're it, three. Doesn't, doesn't doesn't appear that's going to happen. Yet. Well, now we're a three three five. It, it would be yeah. really hard to justify two defensive line coaches on a three three five. You coach one guy. <laughs> oh man well that was fun that was a nice exercise and i'm not sure what it was but it was fun so let's move on and get to the main event of the evening (laughs) just kidding it's the over under game and the results show of the over under game and the winner of the over under game 
will have their choice of one of these two highly sophisticated Generation Red T-shirts. I'll be a size large, and I and and I hope you're an X double XL because that's all I've got left. <laughs> I hope Derek wins. <laughs> you're getting a Generation Red short summer dress. Yes, yes. Well, they'll shrink to about a large because they're hundred percent cotton. Trust me. I'm already moved into the double X's that I had extra because the XLs are like showing up my belly button now. So that's joyous. He's got so, a little Husker medallion on his belly button tooth. Yeah. I got that little red yeah, belly button piercing little red diamond. You're talking about your belly button. It's not where I thought this episode would go. I know. Isn't it though? I <laughs> mean, nice. it doesn't matter where we go. It's always wrong between that. And there we go. 2022 over under game. We started out with the uh, passing offense. We'll go through the offense and then the defense. And then there was a couple of bonus questions. And I'll tell you guys right out of the gate, this thing was a lot closer than last year. And it took the final bonus question to actually determine a winner. So that's pretty cool. Uh, we, I had picked 273 yards per game for passing. I don't remember what the year before was. Uh, but I thought with Whipple coming in and throwing the ball all over the yard, we'd do well. And we did 220.8, which Tyler then was the winner after guessing 250 yards. So, you know, the rule, this isn't the price is right. It's not up to, or whoever gets the closest without going over. It's whoever's closest, whether they're over or under. So Tyler was the closest because we were all over. (laughs) So he was only off by 29.2 yards a game, which would be what? Four Casey Thompson passes, maybe. Um, yeah. Thank goodness uh, for this that uh, Chubba Purdy and Logan Smothers got a chance to start some games. I definitely. If Trey Palmer wouldn't have dropped all those passes, I would have won. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Justin, cool. shit, shit on our best player. That there's the Justin. I know about. Palmer. Yeah, That's Justin. Cool. I'm just competitive. I want to win. You want to win. I got you. I got you. So Tyler has won the first category. Second category is passing touchdowns. Over under was set at 25. <laughs> God, I kill myself. 17 was what we ended up with, which was the ranking in the NCAA of 81st in the country and sixth in the Big Ten. Kind of surprised we ranked that high in the Big Ten, to be honest with you. Uh, and the winner was Justin. He guessed 22, which was five over. And uh, so now we've got Tyler and Justin with the category win each. Next offensive category. You went one under on me. You did the dollar thing for me on yeah, that one, Justin. The, yeah, we'll, we'll did one, Bob. dollar, Bob. So <clears throat> rushing over under, I guess, 205 yards a game, which was extremely <sighs> optimistic because the actual was 123.33, 99th in the country, 10th in the Big Ten, and the winner was Scott. Woohoo! It was only thirty six yards over <laughs> what the actual number was. Man, a lot. That that would only be like twenty four more Grant carries per game. Yeah, that's all. <laughs> twenty four more dances in the backfield per game. Yeah, I got or you. about a hundred and eighty <laughs> carries by Jockeyant. <laughs> Fair. Yeah, hey, there you he go. transferred, man. Rest in <laughs> yeah. peace, brother. What a, what a sad sight. Oy, oy, oy. Okay, uh, over under on the rushing TDs, I picked 26. Look, guys, this is there was no analysis that went into me coming up with these numbers. I literally, well, analysis. Anal, if you want anal to, ISIS. A, anal, meaning rear end, and ISIS, and meaning where you pull terrorize. numbers from. So there you go. Terrorizing um, your ass. 
Exactly. 17 was the actual number, just like with the passing touchdowns. Winner was me. Yes. I finally won a category. I did not win one last time, if y'all remember. I did not win a single category last time. We so let I'm you win happy. this one. I happy, happy, happy. <sighs> oh, I guess I got to go on to the next one now, right? So there we go. 33 points a game was the over-under I set for scoring. <laughs> 22.6 is what we actually scored. 103 in the NCAA, 11th in the Big Ten. And the winner, Justin, picked 31. So you were only eight. I was more than a touchdown off, and I won this. This is bullshit. That's, this is how bad we were last We were time. all so bad. We were god-awful. We were so optimistic on offense, and we were horribly pessimistic, or really optimistic on defense, too, because then the numbers really go negative once we get to the defense. Spoiler alert. Um, so there you go. Defense passing 232. Per game is what I set the over-under on. We weren't too far off at 225.3. You take away those first four games, and I bet they would have come quite a bit under that 232. <laughs> 70th in the Big Ten, 12th in the Big Ten, or 70th in the NCAA, 12th in the Big Ten. I won this one as well. So I have now won two categories along with Justin. Passing touchdowns, 17 was what the over-under was set. The Huskers gave up 18, 62nd in the NCAA, 11th in the Big Ten. Justin wins God that damn, one. Damn, I'm good. Yeah, you are. It's only off by one. 13? Was I high when we recorded this? No, you're just fucking used, dumb. If you go back and you listen to it, Tyler, or I was like, oh my gosh, you're so freaking pessimistic here. Or optimistic here. I don't get it. Why are you so optimistic on this defense? Because we had three DBs gone. It was like, and Justin was closest go for well, he was the most pessimistic and because we were supposed to have this phenomenal pass rush that we ended up not having yeah exactly yeah exactly Sheesh. there you go defensive rushing over under was 163 yards a game wasn't too far off at 189 108 109th in the ncaa 13th in the big 10 winner derek wins his first category being only 31 yards under if we would have we had were, a top we 10 defense like I predicted, if we would have had that top 10 defense, man, I would have ran away with all these. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. The Huskers really let me down. Yeah, and we probably would have been bowling too, so nobody would have cared. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we might have even still had Scott Frost, which I think most everybody on this stream would have cared about that. Um, defense, rushing touchdowns. The over under was set at 14. We gave up 22. Ranked 93rd in the in the NCAA and 12th in the Big Ten. Tyler wins this one at, with a guess of 17. Oh, he won dollar, there's, Bob. There's where Justin was a little pessimistic, was the or the optimistic on the rushing TDC. Justin was optimistic on this one, if I remember right. Yeah, this particular I into that defense. Game. That so, yep, seven. we thought it was going to be better. Yeah. Thought that four three was going to be the key. Apparently not. Scoring over under was set at 27 and a half. Oh, Check nice. that out. We got right on it. Wow. 27.6 is what Nebraska actually put out. 79th in the NCAA, 11th in the Big Ten. Winner, Derek. It's now got two categories, if I'm counting correctly. Wow. There's a barn burner here. Hey, I, 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 I was burner. right about my point five. Uh, so yep. I'll take that dub. Yep, yep, yep. So special teams. Total kickoff return yardage. I set the over-under at 402. And the Huskers actually returned it for 444 total yards. 67 God, was this a real NCAA. category that we picked? 
Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Um, and fifth in the Big Ten. Winner was Tyler. So now he's up to three categories along with Justin. Bring back Bill Bush. Come on. Bring back Bill. <laughs> Bring back B squared. Um, let's see here. Special teams punt average yards per game by Nebraska's punter was set at 47.6. Old Boom Boom Bushini actually averaged 43.51, 37th in the country, sixth in the Big Ten. Check this out. Damn, for the guest of 43.5, only point zero. Damn, buddy. I, I, I need to go back yeah. and listen to this because I'm convinced Derek just threw a half yard on top of mine. I'm pretty sure you, he you already one dollared me there, Bob. Don't yeah, hear it. <laughs> no bitching. So, three, Derek, three for uh, Scott, and I think both have two. So, that leaves us to the final category, which is win total over under of six oh, and a half. We only guessed over or under, and there was only one of us who actually guessed under, which Justin. was Justin. <laughs> Justin, you win a t-shirt that you can probably send to Tyler since it won't fit if you wear a large. Good lord. I think he wears like a medium. Oops. A medium? I don't know what he wears. (laughs) So there you go. Uh, You won four categories, Justin. God damn it. You got three. Scott and I had two. And then I just decided what the hell. I'll figure out how close we all came in uh, point differential between the actual points added up amongst all the categories versus what we all guessed. And Justin, you won that too. You're only off by negative 23.72 points. Send me two shirts. So, yes, sir. Send you a t-shirt. Which do you want? Do you want the Heather red, which is kind of a light red, almost a salmon, not quite pink? Oh, <laughs> or do you, do you want the black with the dual tone? It's got to go black. I can't have any pink in my life. This was a lot of fun. I enjoyed. Yeah, I'll see my way out. Exactly. Um, (laughs) It's all pain. It's all pain. Absolutely. Uh, This is fun. This is fun. Uh, This guys, you know, we, I don't know when we'll do this again sometime in January. I'm not sure. I know Scott and I are going to be taking a break until then um, for the Christmas holidays, all that good stuff. So let everybody know where to follow you guys. You can follow us on Twitter at Husker Cuzcast. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook, Husker Cuzcast there. We don't tweet a lot. We don't Facebook a lot. We just podcast a lot. <laughs> so follow <laughs> us uh, anywhere you get your podcasts. Uh, it doesn't matter. Spotify, iTunes, Podbean, wherever. We're, we're everywhere. So check it out. Give us a review. Give us five stars. Give us a pity. It always helps. Yeah. Anything helps, right? Give us a pity rating. Pity rating. <laughs> Scott, how about Tell us you? how much you love Ed F. F and Foley. Oh, F, yeah. Ed F and Foley. Ed F and Foley. Oh, yeah. You guys can follow me on Twitter at Scott Gen Red Pod. That's Scott with two T's. The second one is, in fact, silent. So you can find me there. I post all things Husker and sometimes dad jokes. I'm not a dad, but I just am in preparation for that inevitable future. So, um, yeah, you can follow me there. Shout me out. Whatever. Yeah, follow the uh, follow the podcast. Subscribe. Like it. Find us on Facebook and uh, give us a rating. 
Absolutely. Yes, indeed. You can follow the podcast on social media by going to genredpod.com and click the links at the top of the page. Make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube channel to get all our past content and ring the bell for future content. And also like this video while you're at it. Helps folks find the show. It's also available as an audio show on your favorite podcast app every Monday morning at 8 a.m. Central. Just search for Generation Red, subscribe, and as Justin said, give us a rating and a review. It helps other folks find the show as well. And as I said earlier, Scott and I will be taking a break until sometime early uh, next year. So early to mid-January, most likely. I'll get with the cousins and we'll figure it out. Um, Cuzcast, they will indeed join us for more Big Red Roundtable streams once a month, along with maybe a special guest or two from another podcast here and there. We also plan to revive the fan-centric Husker fan hangout streams that we started last offseason. No outlines, no show notes, nothing to do except sit down, hang out, and talk about Husker sports. Uh, so where you guys, the fans of Husker football and other sports, are the stars of the show, email us at genredpod at gmail.com. And if you want to be a part of one of those streams, all you need is a smartphone and a pair of earbuds. Scott and I, check this out. We're moving on up. Going to be guests on the fan forum on the Go Big Redcast YouTube channel Thursday, which is this Thursday, December 15th at 8.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. Get subscribed on their YouTube channel or their favorite podcast app so you don't miss this fun conversation with hockey. Should be a blast. That pretty much wraps up this show, guys. I really appreciate it. And on behalf of Justin, Derek, and Tyler from the Husker Cuzcast and Scott and I from Generation Red, we want to thank every single one of you for watching or listening to this show. And from our families to yours, Merry Christmas. And as far as I'm concerned, Jesus is the reason for the season and the only source for peace on earth and goodwill toward men, except Iowa. I hope they all get coal in their stockings. Anyway, there is absolutely no place like Nebraska. Iowa's corn sucks big fat (laughs) and (laughs) go big red. Nothing like saying that right after you talk about Jesus. (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) Nothing like it. (laughs) Hey, see you all next year.